listening to Ouija Brats. This is Liz. This is Devin. Oh, Devin. First off, I know we thanked our patrons last time, but I just want to thank all our patrons again. Do it. For the help of the episode. It's helpful, and I appreciate you all. So thank you. It's an attitude of gratitude, and we're cultivating it. attitude of gratitude. And I have quite the story for you. And like I said, off the air, I learned from a documentary that Bob Barker always kept the Price is Right shows to the exact airtime because then he was the editor. So even though I'm the editor off the air, I'm going to try to keep this one focused and tight because I read like 600 pages of this book today. Oh, man. So I'm going to try not to get all over the place. Oh, good job keeping me tight when you're all over the place. You ready for it? I'm ready for it. (laughs) Okay. Receiving. Go ahead. (laughs) This story starts in April 1921. Oh, it's not what I thought. Okay. Oh, what did you think I was going to talk about? I thought you were going to tell me about Sacagawea. No, that that required more than one source. No. And this, I just read one book that I'll tell you about at the end. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, we're, I'm sorry. So we're at 1921. Have you ever heard of a Chautauqua? Of a Chautauqua? I don't think so. Okay, Chautauqua. so a Chautauqua back in the 20s was this thing that was like a mix of a traveling show and a public lecture. So it was like a bunch of different performers, and they would all come to town. But instead of being like a circus, it also had this educational component. Oh, yeah. That's right about? Yeah, it's kind of like what Daddy Stanley did with with the uh, Yield Curiosity Shop, where they mixed sensationalism with educationalism. Yeah, and because this was before there were a lot of movie theaters and Mm -hmm. before, you know, everybody had a TV, obviously, this was a big deal. It was kind of like having the tent revival in town. So the story starts on the Chautauqua circuit Mm. in April 1921. So Chautauquas were great because when they would come to town, they would stay for like four to seven days, depending on how great they were. And you buy a ticket for like one day or for the whole week, and then you get to see everything. But there'd be music and dancing, acrobats, all the plays. They do a melodrama, but the headliner Mm -hmm. and the focus of the Chautauqua was always a speaker, like a lecturer who would share something insightful and educational. And you would get to learn something in kind of a like, uh, like watching a TED talk, basically. Yeah. You know, they would be like, oh, I really, really wanted to hear somebody who knew about this talk about the suffragette movement, but I live in a town of 47 people. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. It was also exciting because obviously photography is around at this point, but it's not like everybody has 500 National Geographics stacked up in their bookshelf, right? Right. It was really exciting. So if somebody came in and they're like, I've been to Egypt and here's all my lantern slides of Egypt and here's what I saw, that was fucking thrilling. You maybe never saw a picture of the pyramids before. And now you're seeing a picture of it that's like eight feet tall and somebody who's been there is telling you what's up. This is kind of like the precursor to you used to have slide carousel slideshows of your mm. vacation photos back before yeah. the internet. So yeah, you wanted to sit in your relative's living room and look like you said at a bunch of weird pictures of people you didn't know in bathing suits and the pyramids. 
Because <laughs> when else are you going to get to see this shit? Yes, like that, except it's a giant brown tent with a thousand people in oh it. Oh my god, I love it. Because these guys would tour like vaudeville. Oh, I'm so into it. So on this particular Chautauqua, the headliner for one of the nights is an Arctic adventurer. He would show his pictures and talk about his adventures. His name was Wilhelmer Stephenson. Mmm, Wilhelmer, okay. Yeah, he was actually born William Stevenson in Manitoba. <laughs> but he thought this doesn't sound like an explorer at all. So I think he was evoking like Roald Amundsen yeah, exactly. and other polar explorers. And so he comes up with Wilhelmer Stephenson. He was a very well-known explorer and a really good public speaker. Okay. He also had some interesting ideas. One of them being that there was an unexplored continent at the top of the world. Mm. So in 1913, so before this Chautauqua comes about, he launched an expedition to prove it. Okay. They had several ships, but the one that he was on was called the Carluck. Okay. It made it one month in the Alaskan ice before it got stuck. Oh, no! Stefansson bailed. And continued over foot, you know, over, over, wow. on foot, over land. I made up a word. Over foot. Over foot, you did. Yes. He continued on land, <laughs> on foot. <laughs> I'm tripping myself out here. Word even underlined it. And it's like, over foot? What is over an over foot? I think I got so hung up on being able to say Wilhelmer <laughs> that I, I lost English. It I need did. to put my, I need to like, go into my settings and reset myself to English. Yeah. So he pieces out from the boat. He apparently was like, I want to go hunt real fast. And they're like, are you sure you're not leaving? Because you know that the ice is going to break up and we're going to drift away real quick. Oh, anyway, bye. <laughs> so the car look drifted away from the ice while he was off it. It drifted for five months. Oh my God. And sank. Oh, no. 25 people survived, and they traveled 100 miles over ice, completely unprepared, to this desolate place called Wrangell Island, which is 400 miles northwest of Alaska. Oh, God. So, like, I cannot imagine no. a, a crappier place. No. They spent six months there before they were rescued. Oh, my God. 14 of them survived. Of 25? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah, and that's just people actually, like, made it off the sinking of the boat. Right. And didn't, you know, freeze to death in the water and right. stuff like that. So the fact that he completely cocked it up oh didn't really impinge on his ability to make money selling tickets to this, of course. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> he was an enchanting speaker. He was very compelling and he was really good at talking about the arctic in a way that made people feel like they were there like he was really mm. good at using descriptive language and you saw the slides and you were transported he also so in addition to the whole like undiscovered extra continent thing he had this concept he called the friendly arctic which i can only assume is the opposite of the alaska howdy <laughs> thinking no but we know better no. alaska gonna so, get you some comments from stefansson on the friendly arctic 
Given a healthy body and a cheerful disposition, a family can now live at the North Pole as comfortably as it can in Hawaii. No. Mm -hmm. Or, I think that anyone with good eyesight and a rifle can live anywhere in the polar regions indefinitely. Wow. Now, it helps that he also believed, because every era is the era of weird fad diets, he thought that humans would live really successfully on just meat. (laughs) You're going to get rabbit sickness real quick that way. Yeah. I mean, in in our time, I think this guy would definitely be on Instagram. He would have a man bun, incredibly chiseled abs, and would take all your money. Absolutely Something just tells me, right? Yep. Yeah. So Stefanson was doing this show. So the fact that, like, the car looked sank and a lot of people died and he peaced out. Eh, okay. Still, come show us show us your slides. It's exciting. <laughs> and he's traveling <laughs> with the so Chautauqua bored. Circuit. We're so, We're so bored. bored. <laughs> We're only allowed to read three books. <laughs> he has three young men with him, two of whom are actually explorers in their own right. So the fact that there's so many dudes in this story makes it confusing. Yeah. And so as I was reading this book, I gave them labels. Thank you. So the first one is the Boy Scout. Okay. His name is Fred Morer. He is handsome. He is blonde. He is chiseled. He is a good draw for the young ladies at the Chautauquas. He is in his early 20s. Okay. But he's actually one of the survivors from the Carlick. Oh, yeah. So Okay. So we've got like, young Brad Pitt who mm-hmm. managed to survive. Yes. Picture this. So he had worshipped Stefanson yes. and then gone on this expedition, obviously been pretty furious with him. Yeah. But then he found himself having a really hard time forgetting that experience and he kind of Somehow, as he was reckoning with the whole, like, watching your friends die thing, came around to being like, I should hang out with him a lot. (laughs) I should hang out with Stefanson. We should do this. Buddy. And so he actually starts opening with his own Arctic stories. He's like the warm-up act. Oh, buddy. (laughs) This is like a mean girls kind of thing. You don't hang out with your friend and me. It's weird, but he also kind of has convinced himself he needs to go back. No, no, Boy Scout. What is Mm -hmm. wrong with you? You don't. Okay, dude number two, the bear. All right. He is Errol. (laughs) I like him already. Night. <laughs> He's over six feet tall, over uh-huh. 250 pounds, uh-huh. which especially for the 20s is like sturdy boy. That's a big boy. He is 27. And of all things, he actually was on the ship that a couple years after Stefanson was like, anyway, I got to jump off this boat. They were like, who is that? Is there somebody on the on the beach? Are they blonde? What is happening? And so they had picked Stefanson up two years after he had left the Carlock behind. No. Overfoot, as some say. Overfoot, as some <laughs> would say. Where was he just traveling overfoot after he peaced out? Yeah, he worked on a passenger ship in the area oh and my. they had spotted him. Okay. Yeah, and they, they ended up working together for four years. Okay. Surviving in the wilderness. Because I think part of this whole, like, you 
can live in the in the Arctic, it's fine, comes from the fact that apparently this guy just kind of could. He just seems to have been very good at it. Okay. And he's one of those people who doesn't understand that just because you're very good at it doesn't mean it's easy for everyone. Oh, man. So they work together. Night, the bear actually developed scurvy toward oh. the end of the trip, as can happen. When you only eat meat. You're only eating meat, friend. Or especially dried meat and not organs and things like that. Yeah. And I love this. At the end of the journey, so of course they come down through Seattle. They're parting ways. And Stefanson says, would you do it again, Knight? And he says, try me. But wait a couple of years, okay? (laughs) (laughs) What is his exact quote? I want to get thoroughly warm and thoroughly clean again before I start out. Which is fair. Yeah. I can help you out there, the bear. (laughs) So the last guy who's with them on the Chautauqua circuit, his name is Milton Harvey Robert Galley. Don't like him. And to me, he's the sweet baby brother. Okay. He's the baby. He's 19. Okay. He's never been anywhere. Yeah. Except with the Chautauqua, because his job is to run the projector. Mm Mm-hmm. So he adores these explorers. Yeah. And he's so into it. He's so into the whole thing. Yeah. And all these three young men do is sit around talking about how much they want to go north again. Oh, they're going to get the baby all wound up. I know. But you know... They did it. They're fine. They came back. They got most of their toes. What's to worry about? <laughs> it's the friendly Arctic. <laughs> One of them up there in a tavern being drunk yeah. as a deer. But you know. You know. Well, one out of ten ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than meatloaf math. <laughs> yes. So this worked for Stefanson because, so if you imagine yourself in his situation, like you have this expedition, you bail on it a month in, a bunch of people die. What? He, so I would be like, oh my God, I'm never going like north of Oklahoma oh, again. Yeah. yeah. Or, but what he heard is, so you say you lived on Wrangell Island for six months. Oh my God. <laughs> So, oh my god, he goes, this place, which is completely desolate, let me describe it a little bit here, I've got, I've got the wiki up, it is about 80 miles wide, it's in the Arctic Ocean, it's one of the things that they actually displace the International Dayline for, to no try way. to like, zzz. and I think it may have been the last place on Earth where mammoths survived. <laughs> You just want that to be true. You just I want it to be true. <laughs> you just want Mammoths. that. Oh my god, you're coming over here and we're going to Whidbey Island because in a Facebook group I follow, someone found a mammoth tooth that was washed up on the shore. <gasps> so you're Mammoths. going with me and we're fossil hunting. I've completely been pricing mammoth hair. Like, this is a goal. Or oh mammoth god. replica tusks. Holy crap. Oh okay. So, anyway. The, our, our our fearless leader here is yeah. like, aha, this space nobody has claimed. Which is not true. But <laughs> he's like, this would be a good airstrip. This would be a good radio station. This would be a good weather station. Because we really do need some kind some kind of inhabitation up there. What is that called? We need inhabitants and habitation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am a word-generating machine. I am the Shakespeare of podcasting today. Okay. I'm sorry. 
Shakespeare a podcaster? Uh-huh. He made up a lot of words. Keep going, you goon. Thanks, I will. <laughs> no, 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 I opened my workout. Look, no, 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 close, close, close. <clears throat> okay, I killed it, don't worry. You killed it. Shoo, I didn't want to see anything from there. <laughs> he also... I'm going to see his... a Pisces. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Okay. Oh, continue, please. He also thought you could breed reindeer there, and that it would be a good place to have your little reindeer farm, or as Lydia calls them, Christmas dogs. Christmas. There's too many good things all at once. Bring me back to Earth, Woody. <laughs> well, I just like that he saw this completely godforsaken <sighs> thing that's like littered with the bones of <sighs> his friends, and he's yeah. like, I see a development opportunity. <laughs> it's like in Poltergeist where they build all the graves. <laughs> yeah, what he's like, the problem is picking what to do first. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So both mm. Russia and America actually had claims to the island, and I don't really give a shit how people put what flag, so I didn't dig into this Good very much. Good for you. All you need to know is that by Stefansson's logic, the only people who'd actually lived there were his shipwrecked sailors. <laughs> he colonized it. <laughs> He's like, listen, lemonade out of lemons, people. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, because this guy has just hubris beyond human grasp, Canada funded his last expedition. Okay. This disastrous one. And he calls them up, or does whatever the equivalent is. And he says, would you like to fund another expedition? And they're like, uh, you if you wanted to actually claim an island, you would have to have, like, a British citizen or a Canadian of some kind. Yeah. Which I don't understand, because he was born in Manitoba. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know how he didn't qualify. Oh, I do know how he didn't qualify for this. He wasn't fucking going. Oh. <laughs> I just remembered. <laughs> I'm killing you today. You are. Oh, I needed this. I'm in such a bad mood and I'm not anymore. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh. So, as one does, he writes a letter to the University of Toronto. Yeah, you know. And he's basically like, do you have anybody who's like, doesn't have any pre-existing health conditions (laughs) and doesn't really care about making very much money? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And that's how they end up. With the fourth dude. Oh, my God. Alan Rudyard Crawford. He's 20. Okay. <laughs> he's in his okay. junior year, and he is like, oh, yes. Oh, my God, Alan. You're dumb. Yes. Yes. We'll call him the student, or maybe the professor, because that kind of gets to this Gilligan's Island vibe we're yeah, about it does. to head into. Yeah, please. So part of the thing that breaks my heart is that Stefanson was like, did you know 
you beat out 10,000 applicants for this position? Oh. And he was like, oh, wow. Like, there's, like, letters he wrote to his oh. family where he's like, if that doesn't tell you I'm supposed to be on this trip, I don't know what would. And oh, it's like, oh, buddy. Baby. Oh, you're dumb. He's so dumb. Yeah. He's this was so like stupid. His roadies. And you got to be here because you're a kind of a British citizen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. kid. Uh, it didn't help, though, because Canada was like, uh, remember what happened last time? <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, we don't feel like giving you money for this. Yeah, I don't think you're very good at this. <laughs> and he's like, disagree. <laughs> I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that he's just, you know what, I'm a 10. God yeah, damn he's it. like, I'm not taking notes right now Mm-mm. on my expedition skills. No, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, I didn't ask for critique. I mm-hmm. asked for funding. Yeah, yeah. So, um, pass. Yeah, pass. Pass on your thoughts, Canada. <laughs> <sighs> but... Part of his concern is that Japan is kind of sniffing around Siberia at Uh-oh. this point. And he's like, ooh, they're going to take it. Or the Russians are going to take it. Like, we got to get on this. We oh, got to do it. <laughs> this and, island is necessary. Yeah, it's so necessary. I should send four chuckle fucks up there. <laughs> no preparation. Four, four baby chuckle fucks. Yeah, four baby chuckle fucks. Oh. So he's like, okay, guys, here's the plan. You're going to go up there. You're going to plant a flag. Mm -hmm. As we know, no flag, no country. So you plant the flag, and you're going to make a base camp. Okay. You're going to stay there over the winter, because Wrangell Island is such that there's really a very small window in the summer of, like, maybe a couple weeks when a ship can actually get through the ice and get to the island. Oh, man. So you're going to stay all winter, and then in the summer... Another ship will come with more supplies and more people. I promise. And we'll just kind of build from there. Uh-huh. Pinky swear. So, the boys go to Seattle, as one yeah. does. The jumping off point to Alaska. Yeah. And they bought food and supplies and books, which I think is so super cute. Yes. They needed a lot of books. Yes. And they headed up to Nome in okay. August on the passenger ship Victoria, ah. which is important because the ship's cat of the Victoria had had kittens. Oh. And the sailors give these guys one of the kittens. She's gray and she's floofy and they name her Victoria. Oh. And sometimes they call her Vic. Oh, I'm That's so, for luck. so happy. Kittens. That's a good name for a kitty. We Vic. had a kitty named Victoria briefly. Oh, did you? Oh, that was in North Carolina, right? No, that's when we were fostering for scraps before I talked about what was happening online and they decided I shouldn't be a foster anymore. Do I? You said (laughs) I'm not bitter. Oh my God, fuck scraps. Do I get to say (laughs) that on this show? I'm mad. (laughs) I'm so mad at them. You're the perfect foster. I would let you foster anything of mine. Oh, Lord. I see. I I think we were doing okay, but apparently there was a whole social media policy that was a secret until uh, they took the kittens and didn't tell us that we weren't getting them back until we made several phone calls. Yeah. It was ill-handled. It was. a kitten named Victoria is a wonderful thing. Yes. So, here's the plan. They were going to Nome. 
they were going to hire a bunch of Alaska natives to help them out. Okay. Because they're like, oh, you know, they'll know how to hunt and skin and sail. And specifically, something you really needed up there, which I didn't even anticipate, is sewing. Because there's Mm. no REI. Right. Like, if you're going to have gear and keep it, you need somebody who actually knows how to do that. Yeah. It's it's hard to sew leather. It's hard to sew hide. It's hard to sew tougher materials like uh, oil cloth or whatever they were, you know, geared up with. And that's a bitch of a learning curve if you're like, oh, I didn't do it good and now I have no toes. And now I don't have any toes. Oh, Mm. I'm too cold. Yeah. So the problem is Gnome in 1921 is different than Nome even 10 years earlier, which was much more of a boom town. Okay. They have a very hard time convincing anybody to come with them. Oh. Partly because they're being very secretive, because they don't want anybody else to go claim their pile of kitty litter in the middle of the Arctic Circle. Yeah. And also because they're just clearly clueless. Like, they're trying to buy all kinds of stuff that isn't around. They're running out of money. Okay. They, uh, They manage to get one person to come with them, in part because she's desperate. Okay. So her name is Ada Blackjack, which is badass. Such a good name. (laughs) Yes. So she was only 23. Everybody in this entire story is like college age, which kills me. Uh, Yeah. I was (sighs) not this good at 23. You should Mm -hmm. not have trusted me with a kitten in the wilderness at 23. She'd had a hard life already, though. She got married when she was 16. Okay. She married a white man named Jack Blackjack, which... What? (laughs) That was not his real name. It's like Bon James Bond. Bon James Bond. Bon Jovi Bon Jovi. Yeah, what? (laughs) Yeah. When she was 16, she married this guy. He was abusive. Of course. And they'd had three kids together, two of whom weren't even alive at this point. And the third, Bennett. Bennett had tuberculosis. He was five years old. And because Jack had left her and married somebody else, and she was by herself, she was like, oh, shit. So she did the thing that was much more, you know, they didn't really have CPS in those days, but they did have orphanages which you would deposit your kid at sometimes with the idea that you'd come back and get them later okay yeah and so she did that she put him in like a children's home going okay i have to earn enough money that i can take you someplace else where you can recover from this tuberculosis yeah yeah we should take you to the stanley hotel i hear it's great for that oh yeah i tell you what what isn't good for that is gnome alaska no i bet not yeah. So Ada is, I don't know, I in the book that I read, it indicated she had had a couple bouts of public drunkenness, and okay. there's sort of this rumor of her engaging in sex work that floats around a little and doesn't seem to be substantiated at all. But based on that and some other things she does in her life, I think she just liked to bone down a Good little bit. Good girl. And maybe sometimes got a little too tipsy, which, fine. Go we for it, Ada. We you, You've had a hard time. Right. Yeah. But they're offering $50 a month to come on this expedition. 
And they're like, okay, you'll stay with us for a year. And then in the summer when the boat comes with the new colonists, we'll swap out and you can go home. Okay. And she's like, deal. Yeah. Deal. Now, one of the problems is that Ada signs on and they're like, you can sew? And she's like, yeah, hell yeah, I can sew. And they're like, cool. Now, they assume, because she's an Alaska native, that she also knows how to, like, build an igloo and Hmm. hunt a polar bear and shit. No, she's from town. Yeah. You know, she doesn't know shit about Arctic survival. Yeah. She, in fact, is completely phobic of polar bears. Oh, good. Like, she's a smart girl. You should be afraid of them shits. Well, there's, like, afraid of polar bears because they can get you. And then there's, like... I thought I maybe saw a polar bear and I fainted. And that's more where Ada is at. (laughs) Poor baby. This Mm -hmm. is me and sharks in the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, no. (laughs) So they do get a boat. Somebody finally is like, okay, but where are you actually going? They're like, no, Wrangell Island. The fuck? Okay. And again, in the grand tradition of five minutes ago of Jack Blackjack, the captain here is Captain Jack Hammer, which is a poor name. <laughs> That's a great name. Yeah. I'm like, your name can't be Jack Hammer. What are you talking about? Um, and then they just refer to him through the book as Captain Hammer. And I'm like, what the? What are we doing? But he's like, all right, it's your funeral, guys. I'll take you to this dumb island. <laughs> Stupid and as he's mound. sailing... What's that? Stupid little mound in the ocean. Yeah, enjoy. Enjoy Wrangell Island. So as he's sailing away, he sees them doing... They're like, here's our flag. And like they sign a proclamation yeah. and like bury it. And oh this is September. And they're digging in. And there was some concern, and this will also contribute later to some awkwardness, that it is kind of weird that there's four young men and one young woman. Okay. But they're kind of like, well, the fuck you gonna do? Like, hang out until the Japanese take over this island? No, we gotta go. We gotta go. We're gonna do it. Yeah. And already things have gone wrong. So there's a couple things that they were supposed to do. First of all, it's amazing that they were able to get to the island at all in September. It should have been iced over. Okay. They were supposed to get a little boat so that they could hunt seal and stuff. Yeah. They couldn't get one. Oh, no. They were supposed to have, like, a bunch of Alaska natives with them. They have Ada. Yeah. And they unpack their gear. Like, they set up their tents. They make a food storage area. And they're like, oh, shit. There's already maggots in this. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Fuck. And their sled dogs are also in bad shape. And they're like, oh, well, we'll give them lots of extra food. Oh, okay. I don't know any of the dogs' Mm. names except one was called Snowball. Okay. We've got Snowball and we've got uh, Vicky. So. Mm Mm-hmm. So they get set up. A lot of what we know about this is because they all kept journals, which okay. is very clever. Well, they didn't all keep journals all the time, but they were aware that, you know, this was a good thing to do. Yeah. So, two weeks after they land, Ada starts to flip the fuck out. Oh. She is crying all the time. 
She is refusing to do any work. She is, like, it sounds to me, and I may be projecting mm-hmm. from my own experience, it sounds to me like she's just fucking profoundly depressed and having panic attacks yeah. all the time. Yeah. So she's, like, lethargic. She's panicking. She becomes convinced that they're going to kill her because Ooh. she's using resources that they need. Mm. She is going through, like, this whole thing thing yeah and they're all like holy like i they should have paid her for this because i'm sure it took their minds off like oh good we're going into an alaska winter (laughs) but (laughs) she sets her sights on crawford okay which one is he the professor gotcha and she kind of like looks through them and she's like you'll do I'm going to marry another white man and it's going to be you because you seem to be kind of on the ball here and educated and a little older than these other guys. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, thank you. Oh, he's not <laughs> into it. No, he's not into it. I think he's already married. Okay. At least one of them got like last minute married in Seattle, mm. which is hilarious. But she becomes obsessed with him. She is terrified of night, the bear guy. Because well, he's polar bear. He's too big. Yeah. Reminds her of a bear. She, like, they go, okay, all right, here's a plan. We're going to split up the camps. We're going to put Crawford in one camp and Ada in the other camp 15 miles away. And do to do, she just, like, strolls over there 15 <laughs> miles, shows up. I just came to say hi. Oh, really involved girlfriend style. Yes. So she's going through what, you know, they call it Arctic madness or whatever. Yeah. What it is really, I think, is just that we don't do well in very stressful, extremely isolated situations. And then she's she's in a very scary situation. I wouldn't want to live with four strange men on an island completely isolated and we've got weapons and like nobody really knows where i am and nobody's coming back for us until the summer like yeah well and also like i have a very solid sense of self-worth and self-esteem but if i have a group of people looking to me as the one who Mm -hmm. knows what the fuck because they're like you're the alaska native or you know Mm -hmm. in my case you're the washington native I mean, like, I, I still have a realistic idea of my skill set, and I would be fucking terrified knowing that yeah. I was the one that they were like, you're the, you're the, you're the strong one of us. You're the one that's mm-hmm. going to get us through. I'd be like, the fuck I am? Really? Like, yeah. I know how to order a hamburger. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to go shoot a caribou. Yeah, it's like, you don't, I don't, what? Well, this becomes a problem for all of them, because actually only one of them actually knows how to use a gun. Oh, Lord. And they are incredibly terrible at hunting. Oh, Lord. And there's a lot of game around this this winter, right? Like, there's polar bears, there's foxes, seals, all yeah. kinds of good stuff. They're terrible at this. Oh, my God. <sighs> this is why Ada. I let you hunt in, in Oregon Trail. You're better than me. <laughs> and I'm just firing wildly at the corners of the screen. Yes. Hey, we got 20 boxes of bullets. It's good. But yeah, basically, they can kind of muddle through because they brought a lot of supplies. But one of them gets exasperated and is like, we should be called just like incompetent and useless. And I'm just like, "Uh, okay, simmer down. It's like October. Yeah. (laughs) But... As the winter goes on, so things get really extreme with Ada for a while, and this is one of those things where I'm like, I wish 
she had been keeping a diary at this time or I could see what happened mm. because I can't tell if the way they handled her was appropriate or not, but she eventually settles into the groove and it gets to the point where they're all getting along really well together. Okay. Like she recovers from whatever was happening with her mental health, why she realizes or concludes that they're not going to kill her. Yeah. And they become more comfortable with her and understanding, like, kind of how to interact with her and interact with each other and getting used to each other's quirks. They become really fond of each other that winter. Oh. And the bear guy, Knight, is actually like, we're really going to miss her when she leaves. This, <laughs> this stinks. Um, the problem is that I imagine around May 1922 or so, maybe June, Stefanson goes, oh, shit. <gasps> oh, my God. So he's trying to raise money to send this ship to them with all the stuff they're supposed to get. Oh like my their God. extra food and their extra people and to take Ada away. Yeah. But the problem is that since it's been a year... People have kind of noticed the way that Canada didn't come through with any funding. Oh, no. Yeah. So he eventually is able to recruit enough people to give him money that they hire a ship, which for some fucking reason is called the teddy bear. <laughs> so that you, I don't know. So that you could differentiate it from the bear on the island. Every name in this story was like we let the internet vote on it. Totally, it's like Bodie McBoderson Bodie. comes to the island, <laughs> island McIsland face. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Black Jack. <laughs> it's like a mix of the internet and J.R. Tolkien, like <laughs> Mount Doom. <laughs> the person who wrote Superman. So he's the Superman, and he lives in a city called Metropolis. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. He's from Smallville. He's from Smallville. <laughs> I'm good at this. <laughs> I'm so good at names. Listen, Liz has come up with like two full new names in one episode, and y'all couldn't come yeah. up with an original name in in nope. your your whole world building. So here comes the teddy bear. Oh, God. Here comes teddy bear. <laughs> but the problem is, like, remember how I said about that really tiny window? <laughs> which yeah. you could actually get to the island. Oh, no. it, it runs late. It starts late. It can't get through the ice pack. Fuck. So they watch as the ice closes back in. Fuck. And these five people go, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck is right. There's no contact with the outside world. And... I imagine it's kind of like the thing where you're like, okay, we'll see you later. And then you find out you're walking the same direction. Oh, it's so awkward. Yeah. It's so awkward. What do you talk right. about? Oh, going downstairs too. Ha ha ha. Am I following you or are you following me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's for shit. And it's they totally have no shit. contact with the outside world. They haven't been rationing for this. Of course not. And they're kind of getting beat to shit. Like, they're hairy, they're skinny, they don't smell great, and they have a lot of physical ailments that they were kind of hoping to get taken care of, mm -hmm. you know, either through the other colonists or in Seattle or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, 
The baby brother has a bad tooth, and the bear's joints hurt, mm. Ada's back hurts, and they're kind of getting sick of eating meat all the time. They would really like, you know, an apple. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. A bread. Yeah, a bread. That would be good. They have some kind of ship's biscuit that they fry in, like, bear fat or fox fat or whatever, and I'm no. like, oh, No, thank no. you. No, thank you. So when the families find out about what happened with the teddy bears, so all these boys, you know, they're young and they have families yeah. and they reach out. They're like, what the fuck? And Stefanson is like, look, it's fine. Oh, my God. There's no more, literal quote, there's no more need to worry about them than if they were in some European city or an ordinary place and were merely not in the habit of communicating with you. They're as likely as you or I to be safe and well a year from now. Oh, my God. Yeah, he actually at one point is like, they're safer here than they would be in New York because they can't get run over by a car. Yep. <laughs> yep. Fewer ox- auto accidents for sure. Yeah. Fewer murderers yeah. per capita than there anywhere else in the world. Yeah. So basically the entire expedition and the rate at which they've been putting up with each other, going through food, hunting, going through ammunition, is completely predicated on the idea that somebody's coming that summer. Yeah. And when that doesn't happen, they're like, okay. <laughs> so they start to plan for another winter, which sucks. Yes. And part of the reason it additionally sucks is that just because there was a lot of game around one winter does not necessarily mean there's going to be a lot of game around the next winter. Oh. That's not, like, a given, yeah. period. And because, of course, you know, maybe the seals are like, let's not go to that island. There's weird dudes there. <laughs> there's some And then the bears guys. are like, yeah, let's not go to the island. There's no seals there. <laughs> and... <laughs> It's not good. And they're bad at hunting. They're running out of food. And they go, oh, shit, we're not making it through the winter. So don't worry. You only have to walk 70 days to get to Nome, Alaska. How do you get off the island? Oh, you just walk across all the ice because everything's fucking frozen. It's not an island anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. 70 days. So in January, so they make it to January and then they're like, oh yeah, we're fucked. So the professor and the bear are like, let's just go do it. But they can't get anywhere. The dogs can't do it. The dogs are underfed and out of condition. The guys are underfed and out of condition. And it becomes really apparent that Knight is in rough shape. He thinks he has rheumatism because he's like, my, my joints hurt. Everything sucks. This is the worst. They turn back after a couple days mm. and, you know, dropping a bunch of fucking supplies everywhere. Of course. And they're like, okay, new plan. Now the professor and the baby brother and the boy scout are going to go. Okay. And Ada and the bear are going to stay. Which is great, because he's her favorite. Yeah, he's a sure. total favorite. Mm-hmm. But he's lost some weight, Liz. He looks less scary. That's true. He looks he like the bear a lot of weight. wearing the bearskin rug. Yay! So pretty soon it becomes clear he does not have rheumatism. He has scurvy. Yeah. He's had scurvy before. And scurvy is not just like a funny pirate thing. The, the deal with scurvy is, among other things... When you don't have vitamin C, 
one of the things that breaks down is the walls of your blood vessels. Oh, God. Which you need to keep your blood inside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Yeah, you're not just a big bag of blood. That's not humans. No. As they envisioned at one point in medical history, I'm sure. They're like, people are basically big Capri Suns. (laughs) I am a giant blister. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And so what's happening to him is, like, he's getting bruises everywhere. Right. You know, at any bump he gets hemorrhages. He's getting weird. You know, his gums are getting soft and his teeth are falling out. At one point... This is fucking terrifying. I'm sorry, it's so gross, but like she Ada wakes up and she's like, Why do I hear dripping? Like it's not melting, it's not raining, and she looks over and his nose is just bleeding and he's oh. holding this like can, just trying to catch it. <laughs> Put so, it back in him? Like <laughs> I don't even know. Just not trash the oh, little house they're in. Wow. Yeah, so he's he's in bad shape. So like very, very quickly after the other three leave, he can't get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. that's what you want, right? When you're in like an Arctic survival situation, is somebody else to take care of? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So he can't do anything except lie in bed. Ada at this point doesn't know how to shoot a gun. Oh and God. if she sees a polar bear, she panics and maybe faints. Yeah. <laughs> like a she fainting goat. To- this is a great <laughs> strategy. <a> goat. <laughs> but she's the one who has to cut all the wood, get all the food, cook everything, sew everything, keep the fire going. Yeah. Here's another thing about dying slowly of scurvy. Yeah. You kind of become a dick. Oh, so, do you? Oh. So he's complaining all the time. I'm sure. Alternately, with having good moments in which they will, like, tell each other's stories. Oh. Like, she had one that he really liked about a woman who goes to live with the moon, and she really liked Jack and the Beanstalk. Mm-hmm. Around this time, she starts keeping a journal because she realizes, like, okay, my story matters here. She could write. She could read. She wasn't, like, a a college scholar or anything, but she was perfectly articulate. Yeah. And he, with his slim bit of energy, will also sometimes write stuff in a journal. Okay. So, in March, so the guys left in January, we get to March. Looks like he's going to die. Okay. She manages to catch some foxes, feeds him fresh meat. He perks up. Okay. Yes. But you kind of need to keep building on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she's not able to catch more. And pretty soon he's abusing her verbally from his bed again. He says really mean stuff. Like, your kids died because you didn't take good care of them. Wow. And your husband was right to be so cruel to you because you're a bad person and he was a good person and you're trying to kill me and all kinds of stuff. Which I'm like, I would have put a pillow over that dude's face (laughs) back in late January. Are you kidding me? Saint Blackjack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I'm like, you're pretty skinny now. I can drag you out on a nice flow. Like, I'll fucking eat you. There's my fresh meat. Yeah, I'm on you. I'm, God. I'm surprised they didn't eat the sled dogs, to be honest. Yeah, I think 
It said that in the first expedition, the Karlik expedition, that Maurer had convinced them not to eat a sled dog. Okay. So I think what they did is use the sled dogs for bait to get the wolves, or not the wolves, the foxes in traps. Okay. Because they realized the foxes would approach, but I don't know why that, I'm not really clear what happened. Yeah, I don't know dogs. that any of them were clear. Yeah, they definitely took some of the dogs with them yeah. when they tried to walk back to Nome. So, in her journal, she says, He never stop and think how much it's hard for women to take four man's place, to woodwork, and to hunt for something to eat for him, and to do waiting to his bed, and take the, and here she's written, S-H-I-A-D, which I think just means shit. <laughs> take the shit out for him. Yes. Because he can't get out of bed to poop. Oh. So the idea that somebody who I have always thought is going to kill me is so busted and hemorrhaging everywhere, and all he can seem to muster his energy for is to yell at me and poop his pants. (laughs) Cool. Good luck. (laughs) You never did suffer fools, Woody. (laughs) No. Oh, my God. Six hours in, he would have been... Oh, He'd have been toast. He'd have been fish bait. Okay. So, and, and Ada's having a hard time, too, because oh, yeah. every time she actually is able to, like, acquire some food, she's like, okay, good, now he can live. Right. So she's hungry. Right. And she's suffering. She goes snow blind at one point. She's, oh, wow. like, getting these blinding headaches. Yeah. As she puts it in her journal, this is the worst life I ever live in this world. Mm. Though it's hard enough for me to woodwork and trying my best in everything, and when I come home to rest, hear a man talk against me, saying all kinds of words against me, then what could I do? Mm. Like, what could you fucking what do? Could you, like you said, pillow. Right there. Pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Daenerys, so that I, shit. Oh my god. They make it to May. Oh my god. So the guy's left... January. Yeah. Yeah. Birds start appearing. That's good. Yeah. And they get a little more mileage because they can, like, steal... Well, she can steal eggs and bring him eggs. Okay. She, at one point, tries to shoot some ducks. She almost drops the gun because of the kick. Okay. And it scares her. So she's like, well, shit, I gotta learn how to shoot a gun. Yeah. So she sets up some empty cans and she teaches herself how to shoot. She makes, like, a a nifty little driftwood, like, I don't even know if there's an equivalent thing for this, but basically, like, a little rest so she can hold it more easily. Oh, yeah, like a rifle rest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Ada is under five feet tall. I don't think (gasps) I've articulated that to this point. She's bitty. She's tiny thing. No wonder she's She's afraid of bears and the bear. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's a mouthful. Totally. A morsel. little snack pack. Yeah. Yeah. So... She gets better. She is at this point, like, she's sewing, she's cutting the wood, she takes really good care of him. She makes sure he's getting food, she cleans up after him when he soils himself. Yeah. She keeps a fire going as late at night as she can, and she, like, puts um, sand in bags and, like, warms it up in the fire so that he can, like, get his feet warm and stuff. Yeah. She reads the Bible, she tells him stories. Ooh, I have a poem from him. From it's him. Really, ev- I'm sure there's really good Alaskan poems, but so far, every poem from Alaska or related areas that we've read on the show has been, well, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Where is this? It's quite notable. I knew as soon as I read it, I went, Devin needs to hear this. Yes. 
this poor guy too like he's you know his cheeks are sunken his eyes are not right there's totally blood everywhere like he was a big guy right and now he's just a mess so summer 1923 so this is the second summer right they were supposed to get picked up the first summer they made it a full turning of the seasons yeah and he comes up with his poem here lies a polar explorer, so valiant and bold, who devoted his life to snowstorms and cold. All for prominence, so I've been told, and a few pieces of yellow filth called gold. Now we'll all cut him some slack on this, because he was going insane <laughs> and dying of scurvy. Yes. For nourishment, he had snow and scenery, which reminded him of the grim beanery. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. Yes, you got this. You can do it. The grim beanery, so greasy and grim. <laughs> Would look like paradise now to him. Oh, bring on your roast pork, applesauce, and pie, and some whipped cream before I die. Some of that wonderful potato salad, too. And sliced tomatoes with lots of goo-goo. I don't know what Ooh. that means. Ooh. They're juicy. Yep. They're moist tomatoes. Uh, don't, don't put anything on sliced tomatoes. Just eat them. They're fine. And beans. Oh, beans. That wonderful fruit. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it's not where that poem comes from. <laughs> and then to end it all, just to make things suit, about a gallon of mother's canned fruit, and then a wonderful bewitching smoke, for as tobacco is concerned, I'm dead broke. <laughs> really want a cigarette. But I'm going now where it's always hot, where blizzards ain't and cold is not, where everyone's happy and anthems ringing. But having no voice, I'll be out of the singing. Don't weep for me now. Don't weep for me ever. I'm going to do nothing forever and ever. Oh, God. Yeah. So, you know, given the circumstance. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm glad he wrote it down. I think he was very hungry. I think he was so hungry. You're just torturing yourself, mm. though, listing all the food you can't eat. Yeah, like, oh, whipped cream. Because he was really whiplashing between, like, being ravenous, but then anything she could bring him he didn't want. Because his body was like, we need some fucking vitamin C. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I don't want more bear meat. I don't want any more fucking protein. God, no. <laughs> so, many times over these long months, between January and June... He would drift in and out of consciousness, mm -hmm. and it scared her every time. Yeah. But finally, June 22nd, he passes away. Oh, gosh. And Ada is alone. Oh, God. Completely alone on this island where she was not supposed to be for more than a year. Yeah. In fact, she's so overwhelmed and run down that she can't even bring herself to move him. So she actually just covers him up and like, <sighs> moves into the food warehouse. Oh, cute. Because she's like, I mean, she's not so far gone that she thinks it's a good idea to stay in the same room as a decomposing body. Right. 
But she's also like, well, if I put him under the ground, then everybody's gone. Mm, And that's not going to work. And she's really coming to a lot of reckoning. So one of the sweet things for for a pair that really did not hit it off initially is he had a family heirloom Bible. And she would read it to him. And he actually said at one point, Ada, I really want you to have this. And so he specifically, like, wrote down an inscription that this is a gift that I'm giving to Ada Blackjack. And so, you know, she would read it. And she she had a very strong faith. She had a very strong faith that there was a reason for what was happening and that suffering and unpredictable things can happen to you and you can come through them. But she's very alone right now. Oh, God, yeah. And it's the second summer since they arrived. And Stefanson off on the mainland is like, okay, we got to get funds together and we got to send another ship. Yeah, this time I'll do it for sure. Yeah, let me emphasize this is a relief ship, according to him. He's like, this isn't a rescue ship. They don't need rescuing. Mm. They have plenty of ammo. Like, at worst, they're homesick. (laughs) But we probably should go check on them. Uh, Yeah, you know. (laughs) Yeah. He does not succeed in raising funds until August 1st. Oh my god, we know this is too late. We know Mm -hmm. this is too late. In August... Ada has a dream of a boat and she wakes up and goes out and thank God it's there. Oh, really? It's real. August 20th. So solidly two Two years years. later, she's rescued. And they don't know what to expect. Right. And, you know, she's been bracing this whole time. You know, she knows she's going into another winter. Yeah. She's like, what? I'm trying to remember who had the typewriter. I think it was Morer. And he was always like, don't fucking touch my typewriter. And she's like, <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm really sorry. But she would always write a note because as soon as night died, she knew every time she left their little camp... She was terrified that somebody would come by and miss her. Right. So she wrote a note. Basically, she just would type every day. Yeah. Saying, like, you know, here's where I'm going and here's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, don't fucking... Oh, God, it's like that Chris McCandless, like, I am am so close. Don't fucking leave me here. No. (sighs) So they bring her on board and they talk to her. They go back. They kind of inspect the... The setting, they bury night. Oh, they because, do. Yeah. And they bring her home. Okay. to Home to Alaska. Yeah. And then down to Seattle. And this is when I've kind of skimmed over a lot of the weird politics and marketing that was going on through here. Mm-hmm. But basically, for... Four people to, well, four people plus Ada, who didn't really have a dog in the fight, so to speak. Yeah. For them, for anyone to wander up and just, like, plant a British flag on Wrangell Island, all of a sudden, everybody had to have an opinion about what was going on. Oh, my on. God. And Canada was like, we didn't really want it, but we don't not want it if we can have it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and there's, like, a whole thing going down, and people are starting to realize the Stefanson is full of shit, and they bring Ada back, fortunately. 
the guys who left, I have no idea what happened to them. Oh. Nobody does. They were never found. No. I mean, I don't know what I expected. That is exactly what I expected. But I, well, I, I hoped guess, for as more. I, as I was reading through the book, I thought that at least somebody would find their remains at some point. But Alaska gonna get you. Alaska gonna fucking get you. Ada's the mm-hmm. only one that survived. Ada is the only one that survived. Oh my god! And not only did she survive, but she kept this guy dying of scurvy alive for six months. Yeah. So he died in June, and the boat came in August. So so close. If if they had had you know if things had had just worked out their way a couple times. Then it could have worked out very differently. Right. Yeah. Right. But Ada's put in this very tough situation because all of a sudden she's a celebrity. Right. And she doesn't know what to do with it. And she's very uncomfortable. Like, yeah. they advise her. They're like, don't sign anything. And she actually takes that to mean don't sign autographs. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Her pictures and everything. But she's excited because she's got her money now. And so she goes and gets her kid Does back. she get her kid? Okay. And they go down to Seattle, and she actually, Stefanson, of all things, pays for them to go down to San Francisco at one point. Okay. And she is amazed, and she mm. loves it. And at one point, she's just like, if you have this, why were you coming to Alaska? <laughs> <laughs> Which is yes. valid. That's a fair question, Ada. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. The main story that I wanted to tell you was her survivor tale. Yeah. Because that's so badass. She's that, like, badass. She's this city girl who doesn't know how to fire a gun. And I love the arc that from when they first land on the island, she melts down. Right. She does like... A, you know, this is a weird comparison, but when I first went off to college, I got so overwhelmed the first day that I went inside a closet and closed the door. Like, I was just like, I cannot. I cannot with any of this. Yep. And I, the, the fact that she's the one that they're all worried about for the first two weeks, and then two years later, she's the only one standing. Right. Right. And fucking she's resilient. become this hardened badass. Yeah, she's fucking resilient. And achieves her goal she gets the money bennett gets better yeah like she's able to get him some help her life after that's kind of complicated because just because everybody knows who you are doesn't mean that you have money right necessarily you sh- and usually it means this- you have less money indeed and there's this whole like secondary thing where like somebody who comes to rescue them grabs all the diaries and starts trying to make money off that. She actually lived in Spokane for a little bit, which was weird. She, like, changed her name. No way. And tried to come live over here. But here's the part that, that, like, fucked me up. Hang on. Let me verify that I've got this right. So she was quite young, as they all were during all of this, right? Right. There's... A re-examination of her legacy. So she actually, while she's in Seattle after the rescue, she's kind of kicking around trying to figure out what to do next. She ends up with another kid. Okay. Which is, you know, father unknown. And that's kind of why I say, like, I think she just loved to love. Yes. As they say. I think she was just sort of like, I don't see why I have to, like, legally associate myself with somebody forever just because I want to get down. Right. Like, right. 
can do my thing. But, you know, it, it makes her life more complicated because it lets people put all kinds of narratives onto her sure. about somebody tries to slander her and say, like, oh, she starved night to death and she was, you know, a monster and she did all this. And it's just, it's a wild ride. But here's the part that tripped me up is that her sons, so the younger son, the one who was conceived after mm -hmm. the expedition, was interested in preserving her legacy, and he was involved in some kind of historical record thing. He's like, you got to tell your story. And somebody who comes to hear her tell her story, so this was all in the 20s, right? Okay. She's still alive. She lives until 1983. No way. So when this person comes to get her story, she is doing a Star Wars puzzle. What? Why no? No, she's not supposed to be in that same universe. She, she's from Black and White she's Days. She's from Black and White Days. No, Dorothy never made it to Oz. We don't have color TV. None of that. No. I know. Imagine that, though. You're like, dum dee doo I'm just going to be on this kind of tail end of the gold rush. Do my thing. Make sealskin mittens. Survive. And I'm going to do this fucking Star Wars puzzle. No. Yeah, she loved puzzles, apparently. Or I'm like, go, Ada. That's bad. That's fine. <laughs> We're okay with I that. I love it. Yeah. She was always really quiet. She was a person who... It's the kind of person who I appreciate a lot, but I also have a hard time relating to, where she just kind of took everything in. And she would take her sweet fucking time. So there was an interviewer at one time who was like, were there a lot of wild animals on the island? And she literally, according to the story, sat there for 15 full American minutes and then said, some. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ada, no. <laughs> no, that's a fucking power move. Oh, that's my God. Like... <laughs> but, you know, if you went in... It, it, basically, for her, the trauma was not being stranded and starving and developing scurvy and being separated from everybody and not knowing whether she was going to live. The trauma for her was that she was not able to keep Knight alive. Mm. And the time yeah. when he died was really hard for her. And so in later years, when people would bring that up to her, she'd say, I don't want to talk about that right now. Yeah. She, she had some walls up around these tender areas of her life yeah but god how I, do you blame her for that i know but yeah she lived until 83 she ended up having a heart attack everybody else <laughs> thought she, she saw she, a bear she was in like what's that yeah she's a bear <laughs> that's a whole thread i wasn't even able to pull out through this book but like you know bears are coming into the camp and stuff and she becomes more and more comfortable with like i'm gonna fucking shoot you like, nice I can't not handle this. I'm yeah. the only one here who can handle this. Yeah. She gets the mom friend override and is like, Welp, okay, uh -huh. I guess I, I gotta be the one. The The whole expedition goes. We never know. There's a lot of wrangling that goes on. No pun intended. <laughs> There's a lot of chaos that goes on because, you know, the, um, wow, get time to blank on his name. Wilhelm? Good. Yes, that guy. Stefanson. There you go. Has already spent all the money. So oh. his, his, the family members and the wives and the parents of these kids are like, can, can we have some of their 
income that they earn. Yeah. It's like, oh, just hold on a second. And <laughs> I'll go at one get point, it from my truck. Yeah, I'll be right back. Roald Amundsen yeah. says that this guy is the greatest humbug alive. Oh, man. Which I appreciate. Man. He becomes like an early founder of the Explorers Club and all kinds of stuff like that. He goes, he, he has quite the life, but like Ada kind of fades into obscurity. So when she died, she was in a nursing home. And according to this book, at least people didn't understand the level of celebrity and fame that she had had wow. at one point in her life or even what she had been through. Okay. You know, she was just, a, she was always tiny and I'm sure she became tinier. Yes. When she was elderly and uh yeah oh fascinating she she made it and that's wild to me that she was not like Sacagawea was well we can talk about her at some point yeah but she at minimum was competent in her area totally right? right like she was useful and Ada, I think I can really relate to because she's like, oh, shit, you guys think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, no. It's like when the imposter syndrome becomes real. <laughs> yes. She overcame the greatest case of imposter syndrome of all time. Yes, she did. And yes, she, she survived. did. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, fucking props to her. She's got bigger stones than I do. She's a badass. And she was bitty. I like yeah, it. The, uh, oh, the pocket-sized badass. Yeah, pocket-sized badass. Way to go, Ada. Way to go. And I'm glad I finally got to do a story on an Alaska native because I know we've done a lot of, or not a ton of, but we've done some Alaska stories, and well, often that aspect is tangential. I like thinking that she and Jean Keen are yeah. kind of like up there in heaven, just feeding the eagles, shooting at the polar bears, having all yeah. the fucking <laughs> fruit they want. <laughs> Oh, doing their thing. Just being two badass old ladies together. I like it. So the book that I used for this was called Ada Blackjack. Of course, a true story of survival in the Arctic by Jennifer Niven, who also oh. wrote a book called The Ice Master, which was about the Korlick expedition. So this is how she kind of stumbled on this whole story. Okay. Is the fact that so many people who were involved with, like, surviving or mopping up that mess went, well, I mean, lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. <laughs> so let's go on another expedition. Sounds legit. Well, he just, he sounds like he uh, almost had that kind of cult leader-like magnetism where you even, mm -hmm. even though you know it's bad at the time, you just want his admiration so badly, you go along with it a lot longer than you know you yeah. should. He's got, well... Like, quite the face. I don't really know who to compare him to. It's like, if you gave an older Don Knotts Clint Eastwood's eyes. Oh, yeah. And then look at that Nicholas Tesla hair in his youth. Yeah, he was like... Oh, man. He's an interesting guy. He seems to have had a real knack for survival in on a couple levels, right? Like, yeah. That yeah. he, he could come up smelling like roses from a lot of situations, which is not always what I look for in someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like people to be humbled by their mistakes. <laughs> I like people to... Yeah, I just... This dude... 
this new dude needed to be more humbled. Yeah. I'm really pissed off that there are uh, stamps made after him, and Mm -hmm. he has a book, you know, My Life with the Eskimo. Like, fuck you, dude. Mm Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. The idea that he just sort of, like, bumbled through this and bailed, like, what this reminds me of is Kickstarters, of all things. The idea of, I'm going to get just, like, a couple people to sign on to this, and then I swear the next round of venture capital funding is going to come through, and I'm going to deliver all this. Oh, shit, I'm running a little late. Well, obviously, now we can't do it this year. So, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And then everybody who signed on early on is completely fucked. They're totally boned. Totally hosed, dude. Yeah. Oh. So, I have a lot of admiration and respect for Ada Blackjack. I have a lot of sadness for the kids, you know, the boys. For sure, the boys. Because especially I think about, like, like one of them, like, he turned 20 on that island. I know. And I don't think he ever turned 21, you know? Right. Right. He didn't know. He just oh. sat there every fucking night watching this guy do the show and operating the projector and hearing this guy say as long as you have enough ammunition you can live in the arctic as easily as you can anywhere else yeah and he's like sounds legit i'm 19 (laughs) we have all similarly thought we were better at life when we were 19 i believe Mm -hmm. or you know 36 Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Yep. Uh, oh. Well, that's my story. It's a good story. I'm really mad at Wilhelmer. I, you know, mm-hmm. think he can go suck a lemon, but he doesn't deserve to. No, so they needed to suck a lemon. <laughs> and that's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Not cool with him, but Ada, you're fucking badass, and I salute you. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she actually benefited from being so tiny, because maybe, like, more nu- the, the same amount of nutrients went further mm, with her. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, than a giant dude. Right, like how babies can survive on a bottle a day, or whatever, a couple <laughs> bottles a day. I haven't had a baby, can you tell? <laughs> the point is, I can't survive on three Jamba Juice a day, no matter how much I try. So... <laughs> You need more when you're bigger. <laughs> this was supposed to be a better comparison, and it went off the rails. <laughs> oh. oh, you gotta take us home, man. All right. Well, that was the story of a badass woman, because I like putting those in the show. That's weird in the sense that I use occasionally of not like, wow, I never would have thought that could happen, but huh, I never heard about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I never heard about that. <laughs> Weird that uh, that Wilhelm Wormy dude, anyway, managed to get that many people up to the Arctic with him a couple of times. That's weird. Yeah, they bought it. It's still not particularly inhabited, as far no. as I can tell. I could be wrong. It's like a nature reserve at this point. It belongs to Russia, is how that works. out. I think out. you're right. Yeah. It is what they call a Zapovidnik, a strict nature reserve. All right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Oh, 
Okay, as of 2003, there were four rangers who reside on the island year-round. In addition, a core group of about 12 scientists conduct research during the summer months. How many fucking bones do you think they trip over? Oh, so many bones, dude. Between, like, there's the Korlik, there's the whole doomed expedition. Yeah. And then apparently, when they were exploring the island on this expedition, they'd find, like, you know, mammoth bones. Giant tusks. Oh. All that kind of stuff, you know, weird graves from stuff they didn't even know what it was from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bering Wrangle Strait. Island gonna eat ya. Wrangle Island gonna mangle you. Yeah. Call it Mangle yeah. Island. No good. Well, I'll send you some pictures because these poor young men, just because they were naive and misled doesn't mean they deserve to die, and they were kind of dishy. So we should acknowledge all their skills, <laughs> oh including God. being kind of dishy. I'm here for it. Yep. Show me these historical hotties. Yeah. Historically hot, bad at poetry. Seems to be the way it goes. Well, I am one of the most attractive people I know, and if you read my poetry from teenagehood, you would not be friends with me anymore, so. I'm really hoping changing my last name has cleared some of that out of my Google heads, but, you know, I'm scared to look. You wrote so much fanfic. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't put it on the internet. Though. Oh. <laughs> Just my bad poetry, because that was legit. That was legit. Uh, friends, I appreciate you joining me for this strange story. I hope you can help yourself to a lime or orange, because that's sure what I feel like doing. <laughs> I spared you a lot of details about what scurvy does to a body. I'm just saying. Just put them in the show notes. I read them. Gross. And I put the book down, because I was eating. <laughs> So nasty. Uh, Scurvy. It's like how Erin used to read stiff during her lunch breaks. How? Why? Why? Sterner stuff, my friend. Bodies are disgusting, dead or alive. Mm -hmm. It is known. It is known. (sighs) Okay, everybody, thank you for joining me. If you want to catch up on what's going on, see pictures... We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are at WagerBroads.com. If you want to subscribe to make sure that you're always getting episodes as soon as they appear, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, probably whatever else. Every once in a while, I, I Google us and I find that some other aggregator site is like, we have the WagerBroads. I'm like, <laughs> sure, why not? Go for it. Yes, you do. <laughs> I don't know. Scoop yeah. us up like ripe peaches. <laughs> you're a pretty ripe peach, it's yeah, true. I am. <laughs> Oh, and we're also at Patreon, which this episode presumably came out early on. And also we put outtakes and I'm going to show my library and all kinds of stuff that's good. But also it's just a helpful way to let us let the show break even or even, you know, bank a little bit Mm. of money versus being a money pit. Because this show is like, I don't know, for me, I'm kind of like, I love it. And I don't ever want to stop doing it, but I don't want it to become my whole life. Because I think whatever I spend most of my time doing, I resent. And whatever I sneak away from and do, I love. Yes. And so I want it to always be the side hustle. Yeah, it's totally our side, bitch. (laughs) I mean that nicer than it sounds. Oh, all right. You know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to live weird. And then you're supposed to die weird. And always, always stay weird. Stay weird. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.